right, everybody, welcome to the 289th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man. Sage, chilling here live and direct in my own apartment for this episode, which means I have a much better microphone than I do at my mother's house. So without further ado, let's talk about the man of mystery in this year's draft cycle. You called that correctly. Uh, we will be discussing Shade and Sharp, and he really is the, the, the man of mystery. So we're going to try and just get into his game as much as possible um, because there's really not a whole lot out there. But the reason we wanted to do this episode is we've covered really every lottery pick outside of Ty Ty Washington. And that's really because he's a pure point guard. Portland already has two of those on the roster. It just didn't seem necessary at the time. Maybe we'll get down to Ty Ty um, later on down the road, but the, the, the one missing person, in our future Friday series so far has been shade and sharp. And really when we started doing these, these episodes back at at the beginning of the new year, uh, I don't even think he had mentioned that he was going to come into the draft. Um, He still hasn't declared yet, but now there it's starting to become more of a, a likelihood that that sharp puts his name in the draft Um, at the moment. He is a shooting guard from the University of Kentucky, stands 6'6", with a 7-foot wingspan, uh, 200 pounds. Uh, he is 18 at the moment. He will be 19 uh, by the time the draft takes place. Uh, is born on May 30th of 2003. Another Canadian hooper um, from London, London, Ontario. We've already seen guys like Anthony Bennett and Andrew Wiggins be the number one overall picks. R.J. Barrett was the third overall pick. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander was a lottery pick. So a lot of great hoopers are coming from the great great white north. And this is really where it gets interesting for Shade and Sharp. He is a five-star rated by rivals, uh, the number one player in the class of 2022 by all major recruiting outlets um espn 247 sports rivals uh, i believe rivals now has him nationally number three for the class of 2021 because he reclassified um a little bit into his his personal history uh parents uh julia and robert he has a, two siblings uh nishane and amari his cousin uh Deshaun Brown plays for the Toronto Blue Jays. So there is, uh, you know, there is that, that DNA, which we have been seeing in a lot of these prospects. They have professional sport background um, and something fun I found because we do like to talk about food on this podcast. The University of Kentucky in his bio says his favorite food is a jerk chicken sandwich. Sage, have you ever had a jerk chicken sandwich? Yeah, definitely. Have you? I've had jerk chicken before, not uh, in sandwich form. So I assume it okay. would still be uh, pretty tasty. It's kind of hard to go wrong. Um, but the reason we are really doing this episode is because Sharp has been mocked to Portland in quite a few mock drafts. Um, he's currently number seven on the Ringers big board. Um, if you want to look at his stats, you really have to look at what he did in the AAU circuit. And that's really where he started to blossom. And so there are two AAU circuits that are supposedly kind of the best in the business. That's where the high school players really go to make a name for themselves. 
you know, it, it's been this way for probably 20, 25 plus years, but what you do almost in your own high school, it, it doesn't matter as much. They want to see how you play on the AAU circuit. And so there were, there were two, um, the Nike peach jam and the Nike, um, EY, EYBL. Yes. And so his Nike elite youth basketball league stats, he averaged 22.6 points, 5.8 boards and 2.7 assists in the 2021 uh, circuit. And in his last three games of the Nike peach jam averaged 28 points and eight rebounds a game. So there is um, a little bit of statistics to go off of. I also found something from um, I believe uh, sports illustrated where it says uh, the 2021 summer, which was the summer of sharp. Um, he had a really dominant season in his junior year at Dream City Christian in, in Glendale, Arizona. He averaged 25.4 points, shot 45% from the three, and grabbed 6.4 rebounds per game. And here's where it really becomes that man of mystery. And there's just not a whole lot of information out there about him. And I was watching, you know, uh, scouting videos and highlight clips and some, you know, highlights from games. And one of the the creators made a really good point. Why is nobody talking about the number one high school talent in America? Usually, I mean, you hear about the Zions, you hear about Anthony Davis, you heard about LeBron James, Greg Oden, like you heard about these names. And I think maybe that's because usually you hear about these high school phenoms from their freshman, sophomore years. Shaden Sharp was unranked after his sophomore year. He had a really interesting route to where he currently is now. He started his freshman year in Canada. He moved to Sunrise Christian in Bel Air, Kansas, where he didn't play his sophomore year, transferred to Dream City Christian in Glendale, Arizona for his junior year. And then he really used this summer um, in the AAU circuit, like we mentioned, um, the Elite Youth Basketball League and the Nike Peach Jam to boost his stock. And that's where he decided, okay, I'm not going to go back to Dream City. I'm going to enroll in Kentucky. And he enrolled at Kentucky midway through Kentucky season. And I was just watching a game where the the date was just October 21st of this past year. So you, you think of a player who was playing high school basketball maybe five, six months ago, and now is potentially going to the NBA draft. Um, it's, it's super interesting because this is really what scouts were up against when the Kevin Garnett's of the world were coming into the league. You had to go off of nothing but high school clips and you're not seeing them play uh, against better competition. You, you really have to trust how this player is going to develop even mm-hmm. more so than, than a freshman in college or a sophomore in college. Um, the upside is, is unbelievable sage, but it's, it reminds me a lot of, you know, when people were scouting Giannis and he's dominating these, these smaller players in some random Greek league, it worked out really well for the Milwaukee bucks, but it also can go the opposite way when they took a similar risk with Thon maker just a couple of years later at number 10, and he's already out of the NBA. So, I mean, it is, you think of Chet Holmgren as a boomer bust. I, I personally think given the, the scouting sample 
and the level of competition. I think Shade and Sharp is the most boom or bust prospect just because he's been so unknown for the majority of his high school career. He he burst out of nowhere and you have this three, four month sample of really significant improved play. But is it just a heater? Is he on a hot streak? Or is this really the player that can continue to grow and evolve? And how do you play to Kentucky next year? Are we talking about, you know, the number one and number two pick? So if, if you're a team in the draft, you could get really good value taking him, you know, five through 10 rather than, you know, if, if he were to be coming to the, the league the, the following year. So there is a lot of risk involved, but there could be a lot of reward. Uh, before we get into his game, a couple of uh, points I want to discuss. Um, he was 6'4", 180 coming out of high school. He's now listed as 6'6", 200. So you, he's already grown to inches. And he has all of the physical uh, attributes that that wingspan is fantastic for uh, a wing player, especially in today's uh, NBA. And uh, just a shout out to uh, one of my favorite uh, creators on YouTube who does good scouting reports, Floor and Ceiling. So if you're trying to get into the, the scouting game or just want to learn more about the prospects, you know, we try to give our best uh, opinion and spin on, on who we're scouting. And, and it's much easier for the collegiate prospects where we can watch games uh, and really form 100% our own thoughts. Uh, I, I can't, you know, lie and say everything I'm saying is, is from my word of mouth. Like I, I watched his scouting video and he, and he put in a lot of work. So um, shout out to floor and ceiling and, and all of the content creators out there because uh, there is not a lot of footage to go off of on on sharp so you know even though we're, we're doing this because it, it's necessary to to cover but there's I mean it, it's it's so unknown I mean it, it, it's, it's like he's a international prospect in the like mid 2000s it's not 2022 and like you talked about, with the KG scouting. Well, KG, there was no global pandemic. COVID makes it so much harder to predict what he's going to do because of the lack of tape and the lack of being able to speak to him. And he hasn't really played competitive ball in two years. And like we, when we talked about Paulo, we were, pretty harsh about it but then he had one year of covid ruining you know his his the his judgment of the game how fast he interpreted interprets stuff sharp hasn't done it for two years so if you draft him that first year might just be a wash because he's just getting back into competitive basketball so there is so many question marks with him with what he decided to do and the scouting process that that uh takes effect after that but like ivy might be one of your favorite prospects how many purdue games did you watch easily like five six seven five plus at game five you didn't really write anything down about ivy because you've had this uh, relationship with him of watching him play basketball for you know like 10 hours right so with him there is a 10 hours of film on him in the internet it is such a difficult challenge to try and predict it so you're trying to make rash judgments on clips and everybody's had good clips playing basketball. If you played basketball long enough, like I remember I made a three pointer over a Portland state uh, basketball player in 2010, like that one highlight. I remember it like 
So it's it's easy to manipulate clips to make a uh, make a point on your narrative. So this one's going to be a lot of shooting from the hip because there really isn't that familiarity with them because there just isn't that that tape. And I'm not I'm not trying to watch EYBL stuff. He's grown so much and has gotten so much older in the last year. It's like, does this tape really matter? So it's it is, it's a tough one. I like when I thought about Shaden Sharp, I thought he was going to be like Kyrie Irving skilled. And then when I watch him in the limited clips, I'm like, no, this is this is a completely and totally different dude. I think the number one thing about him is that athleticism. I don't think it's freakish. Like I think of you know, the Greek freak or Vince Carter as a level of athletics, athleticism equaling freak. But he is a very, very high level athlete yeah i think if there's a tier you're a freak i think he's elite i think he's just yeah, yeah. one I, yeah i'm not i'm one, not one rung mm-hmm. uh below um one thing that floor and ceiling mentioned and i didn't pick up on this but then i i watched was watching a game it was a uh, dream city was playing california basketball club it was broadcast on espn sharp loves jumping off of two feet for him to get that high off of two feet like just even if you're go outside and just run and jump. It's you get much more lift off of, you know, if you're, I think if you're right-handed, you get much more lift off your left foot and vice versa. He goes up off of two feet and he is really powerful. There was a lob in the first half where his point guard threw it to him. The ball's at the top of the backboard and he just grabbed it and finished it. So it's not Vince Carter level athleticism, but I think it's like in the top 2%. Like if Vince is top one, I think he could be in the top two or three. And, and like you said, he's still growing. There's still room for him to continue to get even more bounce. So um, I, I think you're right. Right off the bat, like the athleticism is is S tier for, for this draft class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, 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 as much as we'd like to think like AJ and Johnny Davis are super duper bouncy, they haven't really shown it. But, you know, the first clip that you see of Shan, uh, of Sharp, it's like, oh, okay, this is what he can do. So there was a lot of, like, I think, cutting craft that he has shown that is really high level. Like, the things that I can believe in is he can he can get to the basket. He can run off of flare screens and get to the basket efficiently and fast for those lobs. Now, do we have somebody that can, can actually make those passes? That's a question mark. Do we have the coaching staff that can utilize his two main things being his athleticism and his cutting ability. If you've watched the Portland Trailblazers, there really isn't that much off ball cutting. The only times I can really remember it is, you know, the, you know, the play that Duke likes to run with uh, Apollo, Mark Williams, and then AJ runs through the elevator. They did that a little bit in the first half of the year when CJ was healthy. Like they really haven't shown the the craft offensively to utilize Shaden's skills at all with the with the cutting and the the transition. Like I think Shaden and Nasir would be like two of the nastiest transition players in the league, but we don't really have the 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 coaching personnel to really utilize all of those athletic gifts. Yeah, I think he's. One of, I think right now, offensively, 
he is going to impact the game off the ball. He he really cuts well. Um, clearly, he's a lob threat with that athleticism and, and the wingspan. You can throw it damn near anywhere, and he'll go up and get it. So I, I think right off the bat, he is going to be um, essential, just moving without the ball. Um, I, I think what everyone wants to see more of is how can he create his own shot, especially if, he's going to be a two guard. I think it's a little different. And one thing I I came into, and this is probably just a little nostalgia or old school thinking is like, Oh, he's a shooting guard. He's only going to be a two. Um, He's six, six. He can't play three. Well, I think he can play the three given the wingspan. And if he is playing the three, you want him playing alongside some, some shot creators and some, some playmakers. But if he is going to be that secondary guard alongside of a, of a Simons or, or a Lillard, I think everyone wants to see, okay, can he break his man down off the, off the dribble? Like he's, he's not quite there yet. Um, he does like to do that, that Dame Anthony step back. That's, that's all the rage um, in the NBA and his jump shot has pretty solid form. I would say watching some of the the AAU clips, it almost looked like he had a little bit of a, the knuckleball rotation, kind of like Bonzi Wells reminded me a bit, not the form, but just the spin on the ball. It didn't go through the net kind of like, you know, just wisping through it. But then watching that, that game in October, um, the high school game, dream city versus uh, California basketball club. I mean, he was shooting with, with much more confidence, just pulling up um, off of screens and showed NBA range on at least one of the attempts um, and, and the ball looked like it was moving off of his fingertips a lot better. So that's one thing when you, when you're watching a player of this age is it's not a finished product by, by any stretch of the means. I mean, it's still uh, basically clay and whatever, uh, scenario he, he walks into that, that staff and organization is going to be able to mold him. I mean, you get, you have a lot of really good clay to work with when you're talking about, um, a prospect of, of shade and sharps caliber. So do you think his, <clears throat> his dribble creation is close to being adequate. Cause I, I think it's pretty, pretty bad for the 2022 guard classes that we're seeing with the ball handling skills of a lot of these players. Like I, I think I texted you like this dude's ball handling packages is normal one in 2k, all of it. Like I don't see the creation that he can get to the cup and make plays for himself and others. Like, I'm pretty down on his potential of creating offense for himself and others. I mean, it's he just, is 18 though. I mean, you've seen 18 year olds create, create for themselves in AAU in like, I, I, I just, that, I would that part of his game is to limiting play to devil's advocate here. Are those players with those crazy, you know, packages, are they needing that to get by their defender? Because when I watch sharp play, he doesn't need it. Like he, he makes the game look easy. Like everything comes easy to him. And I think that's when you're watching a player against lesser competition, that's the first box that has to be checked. Like, does he make the game look easy? And that's kind of when I knew Brandon Roy and Damian Lillard were going to be as special as they were. You watched them in summer league. It was lesser competition. Not only did they dominate, but they made it look really simple. I mean, it was just like effortless. And all of the, the great players who dominate, you know, lesser competition, that's what they do. And that, that's what I saw from, from Sharp. And so 
you know, again, to, to, to play devil's advocate, I don't know if he needs these dribble packages to get where he wants to go. Like he was getting every spot he needed to get to. Um, but he was also playing with the point guard to uh, set him up for a defense that's reacting. Yeah. So I, I so don't he needs, he needs a guard to, he's like a, to steal a common, common phrase that draft Twitter loves is he's a linking player. He needs somebody to make that creation happen then he'll attack it. But I don't think that he's going to be able to create that dysfunction on defense with the limited handle that I've seen. And I've seen, like, I'm sure that we saw the same clips. He got walled up a lot defensively. It kind of remind me of, uh, fuck, who's the Baylor guy that we don't like? Kendall Brown. Kendall Brown. It reminded me of Kendall Brown getting walled up defensively, and he didn't have the counters to create that space to go to the hoop. Again, it's all clips, so you know the negatives and the positives really don't matter until we actually see him play. But I saw him walk, get walled up a lot. So again, like I, I think the biggest question mark is the uh, handle. But I, I've seen some nice pull-up craft from him. But I just don't know if him being the alpha on the court ever is going to result in positive plays for the offense. I would say what I love most about sharp as a prospect is his ability to play both sides of the ball. Um, I think, and that's why he could work in Portland as a three. Like I said, he's six, six could continue to grow, has the great wingspan. He has all of the physical tools that you want to be a lockdown defender. And from everything I've read, he is a willing defender. Like he, he's not one of those, I think sometimes when you think of like high school All-Americans, you're like, I think you could even look at Paolo Bancaro as someone like this, like maybe too cool for school for defense. Like I'll do it when I want to. Like from everything I've read, this guy locks in and can put the clamps down. Um, I mean, there's yeah. definitely highlight clips of him doing some nice reading of the passing lanes. Yeah, he plays the passing lanes like really well. And I, th- I think that's important that's going to be really important for him um, to he's, he's going to be a transition player early on in his career. Like whether it's on the, the receiving end uh, of a lob or playing the passing lanes and, and getting out and uh, finishing with his, uh, you know, athleticism that that's where he's going to, I think, get on the floor for him, for an NBA coach right off the bat is just like, can you, can you turn your defense into offense? Like, can you be a low usage player? And then, slowly start to bring the offensive game, like getting more responsibilities on that end of the floor. But, you know, you look at the size, he, he has, he has everything you, you want. It, He's it's just super duper tools. Toolsly. Yeah. It's Toolsly. just all about, can, can you get those tools to, to function a, as one and you just haven't seen the sample size. So again, there, there is a risk, but yeah, we're, we're arguing over like 15 clips that both of us have seen in the last 48 I mean, hours clips. Yes. But you know, I've, I've done as much reading as, as there is on, on sharp. I, I think, I think two, two things, one, he could be a player where you look back five years from the draft and say, why did we pass on him? Like a lot, a lot of teams did with, you know, a Giannis. Like you just like why why did that guy slip that or Devin Booker like that player Alan should Burton not have too. gone that low exactly. And two, I think outside of the big three, Bancaro, Holmgren, and Smith, 
I think Sharp has the ability to rise the highest in this draft. And, and I say that because there is no collegiate tape on him. There, there's, there's nothing but uh, a mysterious potential. And we, we've discussed this quite, quite a bit, Sage. It's like, if you're a GM and you're making a trade, would you rather have the number 10 overall pick or the player that gets selected with that number 10 overall pick in 10 times out of 10, you want that pick because that could be anything. Like it's like having a lottery ticket. Oh, if these numbers hit, but then when you finally get your lottery ticket and look at your numbers, like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about those numbers. It's just, it's all mental. But I think when he gets into these workouts, teams are going to get an up close and personal look, you know, all these workouts are basically solo nowadays. But if he has a workout similar to Damian Lillard in Portland, where it's just like, oh, he shot the shit out of that basketball. He looks like he moves really, you know, sleek and smooth. You can kind of get a, a better glimpse into Shade and Sharp, the person as well. So if he tests well in these, these workouts, like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go as high as like four. Uh, where are you slotting him on your personal board right now? Um, I haven't done that quite yet. Wait, once you're ready, let's, let's put it on holybackboard.com. But yeah. I think, I mean, he's easily a top 10 prospect for me. Um, I have him behind Duran on my board. Like he's a tier two just because I, I don't know, like in the Duran level of confidence level. I will say this after seeing Johnny Davis struggle a little bit. I would be, if, if it came down to our pick and it was like, okay, you can have Johnny Davis or, or Shaden Sharp, I, I might roll the dice on Sharp. Um, I'm, I'm coming around to him. It, it's very risky, but I'm also a sucker for the mysterious. And I too would have liked to have taken Giannis in the 2013 draft. Like you don't get many chances. Um, like, like why did Kobe slip in, in the 90, 96 draft? Like it just you want to be able to say we, we got the guy and is, is it worth that, that, that lottery pick? I don't, it might be. And I'm just, I'm kind of a sucker for, it. especially if you're a small market team, sometimes you have to take those, those added risks to get that superstar player on a team friendly deal. You get the bird rights to try to. Um, I think ha- that having two picks this year, lessons, pretend two potential picks. Exactly. Lessons. But in that's another reason why I'm starting to warm up to him is because you do potentially have two picks. And if you have two picks, you're like, okay, I, I can really start to, I, I, I can take this risk. Like, like we, we can be okay going after sharp and, and grooming him and seeing what, what he becomes. But yeah, I mean, there are so many great uh, wings in this class that the, the necessity to take that risk, I think, is lower than in previous classes. Where if Sharp were a point guard, I think he would be through the roof. And oh in yeah, this he'd draft be class. the number. Yeah, he would be a top five. He would be the, just... the, the the clearly the best point guard prospect. I mean, everyone needs a good point guard. But since there's so many great shooting guards, you have to. NBA teams, I think, are going to be tested because whether you love them or not, there are high caliber prospects. There's Ivy, Griffin, Davis, Matherin. Uh, you name it, and a bunch of G League players who we haven't got into yet. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. 
So you, if it comes down to your pick, are you going to say, okay, we've seen the growth of Jaden Ivey and Benedict Matherin from freshman to sophomore year. We've seen AJ Griffin potentially help Duke win a national championship. Is that enough? And what, do we like that more than what Shaden Sharp has shown in our workouts, how he's, you know, just rose, uh, had just a meteoric rise, or are you going to say, no, I'm going to, we're, we're going to take Shaden to the moon. Like you're really going to double down. I, so. I, 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 I find him to be like Dogecoin right now. I, I am very, very, uh, I don't want to say pessimistic because he is like the seventh guy on my board, but I'm not, I'm not ready to commit to putting my, uh, my precious, precious cash into a, uh, a shade and sharp coin yet. I, I, I feel much more confident in the AJ and the, the Ivies and the, the Matherins than, than him. Like even in those clips where you show, they showed that he's super good defensively. It was like, Oh, there's some, there's some pretty big flaws in his defensive game. I, again, it's, it's, it's like 40 minutes of clips on the internet. So it's not like, it's just, yeah, it's not like I'm not doing my work. It's just so difficult to find those clips. So I, if 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 all of those shooting guards are gone, sure, I'll take that shot on Sharp. But I'm not I'm not like I'm not jazzed about this yet. But again, I am willing to be moved if he does well in you know things that we can actually watch him do well in. <laughs> Did you have any comparisons? Uh, uh, I didn't bother with comparisons. Um, too little of footage, but. Um, here's what the, the ringer put out and they usually do when they do their, their big board, he is number seven on their big board. Hey, they usually put like shades of not exact wow. copies of, but they have That's what we do, though. like, if you're putting a dish together, you're going to use a little mm-hmm. bit of this, a little bit of that. So the ingredient list for shade and sharp, they have Paul George, a taller Bradley Beal and Jalen green. So if, if shade and sharp ends up in, in that, realm a lot of teams are going to be pissed off they they didn't take him i'm not saying he's going to be that but if he does become that who are they again sorry paul george taller bradley beal jalen green i'm sorry that just from the limited clips that i've seen no that's not the right comp again limited clips for sure but bradley beal and paul george are some of the best dribblers at their size and Shaden's using normal one crossover. Nah, that, it, that I just don't see it in the, that evaluation. And I get it. We're not really using that much tape, but the way that I saw the sharp dribble, nah, dog, that ain't it. Like I was thinking, fuck. Well, this ain't shades of Sage. Like I, he's not a finished product. Well, then I'm shades of fucking Bruce Lee. Cause my middle name's Lee. Like, there you go. <laughs> I don't uh, yeah, me and Spike Lee are our cousins. No, like Isaac Okoro. That would be my comp for right now. A worse ball handling Isaac Okoro. I think I'm. I, I think I'm. I'm more intrigued and in, in sharp than you are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see the Bradley Beal comp. My G's. I see. I see Isaac Okoro, but not as good Jaylen of a playmaker. <laughs> I can see the Jalen Green. Oh, yeah, with the athleticism, but I think 
Oh, question. I know we were going to keep this short, but question. Jalen Green or uh, Jaden Ivey? Jalen Green. Mm, I did not think you were going to say that. Earlier in the year, I would have said Jaden Ivey. Jalen Green is living up to that number two overall pick. Like, he's he's nice. Real, hey, real, he's nice. real nice. And he's got the size. Now, if Jaden Ivey were 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, maybe Ivey. But Green, I believe, is younger he's he's just doing it now and he's younger like and he's taller like it's it's as much okay. as i love ivy like i have to be real i would take green okay is it a is it a question in your mind or is it straight no thinking i uh, uh green sorry i'm pretty i'm like 90 percent solid on that damn okay okay J- jalen green has been playing well as uh the second half of the season and that's really what you want to see from a, a rookie is like yeah they may have some speed bumps early on but like do they start looking like they belong and i mean certainly does so as we're here right now and wrapping up on sharp is there any takes from the tournament that uh crossed your mind that you want to talk about friday instead of sunday i mean there's so many prospects got knocked out early it's, it's kind of a, a a little bit of a bummer and then there's no more basketball to watch, uh, to, to scout. So it's like this, this weekend is, is it. Yeah. Um, do you watch, did you watch the games with the volume on or not? What games? Uh, the college games. Yeah. Okay. Did you notice that in the Auburn game, they were t- saying Jabari needs to drive to the lane and get into the paint and score. I'm like, you guys don't watch enough Auburn. That's not what he does. <laughs> Jabari's lucky to get the basketball with those two guards. Yeah. I, just, I mean, it's just like, damn, these these announcers that aren't college basketball focused don't really know these prospects the way that people that watch Jabari actually. Oh, like, no, the, the, he usually makes these shots. It's not it's not like he's in a funk. No, he takes and makes these shots at a high level. But uh, I think I think that we were a little bit negative on Paulo. He's shown a lot in these in these games. I remember him roasting and toasting uh, the Michigan State power forward. I, I, he is he has shown a lot of craft in these uh, these games. And uh, what he's, worries he's definitely me about Paulo, and this is the first thing I noticed when I watched him. Even I think he was the Madison Square Garden game against Kentucky. I was like, this is a big, big, big game. You had NBA players sitting courtside. He still was just like, eh, I'm kind of going through the motions. And like, I finally feel like it took the Michigan State game for him to be like, oh, we're in the NCAA tournament. Like, I'm going to start playing basketball now. And it's like, okay, that's great. But are you a player we're going to have to coach up to play big games? Like, there's 82 games. Like, you're going to have to go to OKC in, in fucking January on the second night of a back-to-back. Are you going to be able to bring it for me? So I still have that that red flag about him. Yes, he's been playing much more inspired, and he's he's showing why he's probably going to be a top three pick. So I like him a little bit more. But that that red flag still is is there for me. Is it? And somebody brought up a, a Jason Tatum. Like Tatum kind of showed the same things at Duke, and he's clearly that's grown, not a bad comp to be completely. Yeah, grown in, in the league in terms of you know turning it on. Um, I just always like players that no matter the competition, they're just like they're ready to go. And I, I, so th- there is some risk there. Um, Are you, if we got fourth, would you be upset if we took them? No. Okay. I, honestly, that, that's a, that's a better, uh, that's better than we've heard all year where it was a question mark. I, I think that he is 
solidly in the top four for me. And there's no way that uh, my beloved AJ Griffin can poke into five or into four. So, yeah, I, I think that Paulo has shown some stuff. Like if I was his coach, I would want him in the perimeter all the time. Like Mark Williams ain't leaving that paint, sir. So you gotta you gotta create outside, and we know that you have the skill set to do so. So, um. I, I was thinking while I was uh, taking a shower today, who would you rather have, Mark Williams or your beloved Jalen Williams? Uh, Jalen Williams. Yeah, that's me. That's me too. If, if, if I did my, if I wrote out my mock, I would have Jalen ahead of Mark. He's more mobile. Um, Better offensive he's player. He's elite too. at taking charges. He can shoot from the outside if you need him to. Um, he's shown that potential. I, I just think he's more nimble. Mark Williams is more of a a, a dinosaur in terms of a, a 90s type of, of big. And I, I just think Jalen, he's got that switchability that you need for a modern big. Where would he be in your... I have him at 17 currently. Mark would you have him? No, uh, Jalen. I think Jalen's probably going to go in the second round. At least, at least I hope he does. But where would you have him in your... I would be comfortable taking him in the second round. Really? I, I would be, if, if we traded with the Spurs, I would I would expect to take him in the uh, 20s. But we're going to save the rest of our draft talk for Sunday. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this, probably the shortest episode of the Holy Backboard ever. Um, We will see you in a few days. Salute to the Blazers. Stay safe, everybody. Peace. All right, bud.